We've talked about several different things in this series so far. And last week we talked about the principle of putting God first. I think that's the missing ingredient for many believers is that they refuse or they neglect. Somebody help me. They refuse or they just neglect putting God first. So today I want to share with you another principle in God's word. And the title of my message is the principle of treasure. During this message series, Heart for the House, it's an annual series and we switch up the text and the things that we talk about throughout that series. But every year during Heart for the House, we talk about something that we are pledging to do for God's house. We think that that's really important. So we make a financial commitment during this series, each one of us, and you're welcome to, even if you're a guest today, to make a commitment that goes above and beyond your tithe. Everybody say 10%. 10%. So at 11%, that becomes over and above. Amen. So we have faith promise cards, and I'll give you some more instructions about that later on in this message today. But I want to tell you really what the Lord has put on our hearts to be able to make sure that we take care of God's house. Why do we do that? Because we want a beautiful cathedral and Sistine Chapel and that kind of thing. No, we do it really out of a simple intention. And that is to remove all distractions for anyone who wants to find Jesus or be found by him. So that's why we put paint on the walls and we decorate for the kids ministries and we provide coffee and we do those things. Not because we just need those creature comforts, but because we sincerely believe that if we remove any distractions, it gives God the open opportunity to speak and to change and to minister those to those people who come to him. And I'm so glad that you're here today for this message because we're going to be talking about the principle of treasure. Now take a, just a second. You've been looking at the screen. You've been hearing me talk. I've said financial commitment and you might think this message is all about money, but you would be wrong. We're not doing that today. I'm going to show you something in scripture that I think a lot of people uh, misunderstand and get wrong. And we're going to talk about this principle of treasure. In fact, it really guides everything that we do here at Celebrate Church. My first point this morning, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13. But my first point this morning is simply this, the treasure of God's kingdom. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus makes several statements that begin with this phrase. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of of heaven is like. And he continues throughout that entire passage sharing different points of view and different stories. In verse 44, the verse will be on the screen for you, but you can turn there in your Bible or go there digitally. It says this, Jesus' words in uh, chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. The traditional understanding of this parable is that the kingdom is the treasure, and that when we find it, We give up everything to gain it. But there are at least three things wrong with that perspective. 
And I want to help you understand because here at Celebrate Church and many other Bible-believing churches, we take this approach. You ought to have your brain engaged when you read God's word. Don't just zone out, but pay attention. So there are three things that are wrong with that interpretation. The interpretation that the kingdom is the treasure and that when we find it, we give up everything to gain it. And they're on the screen right now. The first thing is this. You can't find it without help. You cannot find the kingdom of God without help. You can't hide it. It says that the man found it and then he hid it. Then he bought it. But the Bible also is very clear about the grace of God on us that we cannot buy the kingdom of God. If you could buy it, you'd need a lot more money than you have. Hello? If you could buy it, you don't have enough. But if the treasure here represents the kingdom, you have to see and understand that you cannot hide it and you cannot buy it. You didn't find God. I don't know if you figured that out yet, but God is the one who found you. He's the one who drew you. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit draws the heart of humans to find him and to be found by him. We love him because he first loved us. We are excited and it brings joy. Everybody put a big smile on real quick. It puts joy on our face because we know and understand that we didn't do anything to earn it, but God gives it as a gift to you and to I, this salvation. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. So I say that in the lead up to this because my my understanding even of God's word in the very beginning, Adam and Eve were sought out by God. Think about that. Here's the point. We can't find the kingdom on our own. The second thing, you can't hide it. It's too big. You might be able to hide the little light that you have, and you shouldn't, but you cannot hide the kingdom of God. And the third thing is, you definitely cannot buy it. I want you to listen again to the verse of Scripture in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden In a field, which a man found and he covered up. Another version says, and covered over. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. So this parable is not about us attaining the kingdom or us doing enough or giving up enough to get it. I want to tell you what this parable, this short little passage is all about. The reality is the field is the world. Everyone in the world. And the man is the son of God, Jesus. And the treasure is you. You are the treasure. He has covered over with his blood and with his forgiveness so that he could purchase you. People are the treasure. God is all about people. So when we talk about the principle of treasure that's found in God's word, we see over and over and over again that he is attempting to reach us. It's us who are in the place of refusal 
or neglect. But the treasure is people. People are the treasure of the kingdom. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 20 says this, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is not a parable about you doing something to obtain the kingdom of God. It is a parable to understand that Jesus Christ himself did something, the ultimate thing, to obtain you. He did something unimaginable. And we talk about that frequently, but we're headed into the season of Easter and talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. Jesus did pay the price and he came looking for us and for you and for I. He wanted us so bad that he gave up everything. If you read the book of Hebrews, it says he considered all of that worth nothing in comparison to to the love he has for humanity to be able to redeem us and buy us back. Exodus chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 7, you don't have to go there, but you can find this phrase repeated in those places. God himself says, you are a special treasure to me. He's talking back then to the Israelites and to the people of God who were chosen. But thank God, if you're here today, you understand that Jesus, being a Jew, came to redeem not just the Jew, but the Gentile also. That's you and I. We are part of this. So when God says, you are a special treasure to me, it's important that we understand that's not just for them then. It's for us now. So we've got to remember that people are the treasure and he paid the price. The Bible tells us that God's desire in 1 Corinthians is that he would reconcile all of humanity to himself. But it's up to each one of us to choose whether we accept that salvation. It's been said that you can determine the value of something not by evaluating the cost it took to create or make it, but by what someone is willing to pay for it. Um, I'm just going to stop here and do a little interruption. Coronavirus, you've heard about it on the news. You're probably disinfecting your house. I was in Sam's Club the other day, and I walked by, and I thought, well, i got to get some stuff for the church, some coffee and sugar and mints and whatever. And I walked by, and I thought, yeah, I think we're almost out of Clorox wipes nowhere to be found, no bleach to be found, no Lysol to be found. Why do I say that? Because all of a sudden it has a higher value. I see pictures and posts on Facebook and stuff of engine, just in, I guess I was going to say engineering, but uh, ingenious idea of people who had a stockpile and now are sitting on ferry boats and buses selling a little thing of Purell for $10 a pop. Because the value skyrocketed. It still costs today what it cost yesterday to to create that. It was the same 10 cents, a dollar, whatever it was to make it. But the value has increased. Because that's what we are willing to pay for it. There's a baseball. If you're a baseball fan, Barry Bonds, he hit his 756th home run. And when he did that, it went into the stands. The guy who came out from the bottom of the pile was a young college student. He ended up selling that ball for three quarters of a million dollars. 
the same ball that you probably play, the same type of ball you've probably played baseball with as a kid. You've held in your hand that same sort of thing, but it's the value behind it. I looked up the details of how much today's wage would be to pay to have Michelangelo paint the Sistine Chapel. He he received 3,200 coins. That's what he received. It was true gold, and today it has a value of about $500,000, but back then it wouldn't have had that value. That's how much they paid him, but today we see the value of that timeless work of art. My wife and I have been able and honored to stand inside of that place and look up at the painting that still is there hundreds of years later. The value of something is what you're willing to pay for it. I also just thought of another thing that I looked up this week because, you know, if your Google search history was put on the screen, it'd be weird too, okay? (laughs) But I I put in there, what's the most expensive cut of steak, cut cut of beef? And then I started reading up on it a little bit, and I know a little bit about the culinary world. But then I read a post about the most expensive steak dinner in the world. It's over $3,000 for the meat alone. The potato costs extra, okay? Over 3000 Why? Because they're special taken care of. It's aged. It's this. It's that. But when you go and sink your teeth into that, I can imagine it's the best steak you've ever tasted. And there are people who have that kind of money. But listen, we're talking about heart for the house. Do not go out today and spend $3,000 on a steak. Put it to good use. Put it to good use. So let me ask you this, though. So what is a human worth? We we talk about three quarters of a million dollars for a baseball or $3,000 for a steak. What is the value of a human? I think the world we live in today has lost the understanding of what the value of a human is with the talk of abortion and the, the things that have been going on in our nation for dozens of years at this point, we have lost the reality of the value of a human. With the rates of divorce that skyrocket, we have lost the value of a human. We don't understand that. But I'm here to tell you, God knows the value of a human because he sent his son to die on a cross so that he could offer redemption for every single one of us. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So he bought the whole field with joy. The Bible says that the man in this passage goes and sells everything he has and takes that and buys the field. That's what he did for you and for I. And when you value something, you'll look for it. Have you ever lost something of value? (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever lost something that wasn't really high value? You stopped caring five minutes after you lost it. I work a second job and at that job we have a safe and uh, we put our deposits and stuff in there. But also if people, you know, lose something on our site, we put it in a little envelope and say, okay, this is a silver necklace or whatever. I went through the safe the other day to just straighten it out and make sure everything was fine. I counted 14 envelopes. Let me tell you something. They're not looking for it anymore. <laughs> it was probably bought at the dollar store, you know, something cheap and costume. It wasn't high value, but I 
I did on the same day that I had that happen and I had a few minutes and was cleaning up and that same day a woman came in and she said, I was here yesterday and I've lost, I think I left my necklace here. It is so special to me. My grandmother purchased it. Uh, she had it for years and years. My mother owned it and I just, I can't, and she was almost in tears. And I saw the difference of what it looks like to search for something that you truly value. That's a good example for you and I to understand. God found us. He was looking for us because he values us. The reason that we do this Heart for the House um, series every year and the faith promises that we do that accompany it is because we are looking for the same treasure that Jesus is looking for. We're not looking for a beautiful building. What we're looking for is for people to find faith and family. Hello? And to grow in their relationship with God. That's what we are absolutely all about. We want a place where they gather, um, the place that they gather to be a place where there's no distractions and that there is beauty and, and helps them. I want to tell you something and just be straightforward and honest. You may not be used to this kind of message. But if you're a home folk, you are. But I'm going to talk to you just a minute about something that's highly personal. We are not a mega church. You can look around. Okay? That's, that's Captain Obvious speaking. And because we're not a mega church, we don't have a mega budget. Two years ago... I took a 75% salary cut here at this church in order to continue to be here at this church. I don't say that to pull on your heartstrings. I'm telling you, I'm still at that salary level today, but my God is faithful every single time. It was a voluntary decision. It was faith-filled it was stupid in human terms, but it was faith-filled. I say this not to make you feel any certain way, but to communicate our reality. The reality is God has been faithful, and he's been faithful through your generosity. Amen? We've got dozens of moments throughout these last few years that my wife and I could rattle off to you about how God has provided, and 99% of those times it involves people in this very church today. And I am thankful. Y'all, I am not sad. I am thankful. But the point is this. As we talk about the heart for the house, I want you to have the understanding. We don't have $50,000 in the budget to just allocate. We don't have $50,000 in the bank. We have to save and then spend. Amen? Can I get an amen? That's what we all have to do. And I think that's a wise thing to do. In fact, it's since I've been here, we've not had any credit card debt for the church because we didn't want to amass any credit card debt and pay high interest rates. Within a short time of being here, our main goal was to pay off the mortgage, which we did in record time. We're thankful that we are debt-free as it pertains to that. But when it comes to the budgeting side, there is not a ton of money just to pick a pile and go with. So that's why we talk about heart for the house. Because the truth is, we need each other and our investment here in the body of Christ. We talk about finance unashamedly because Jesus talked about it without pulling any punches. 
Because money's a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. So we talk about it freely in the context of faith. Here's point number two. The treasure of your heart. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 21. It says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Bless their hearts. We have a family in this church that had their house broken into repeatedly. They no longer live in that neighborhood, but they understand what this means when you have treasure here and then it gets taken. Look at what verse 20 says. It says, but lay up for yourselves instead treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to leave that verse on the screen. I think it's misunderstood and it's misquoted a lot. People misquote it and they actually say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But that is not what that says. If you're looking at that verse and understanding it correctly, it means that where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. Well, I don't feel like, well, you need to make a decision too, and then your heart will feel. Money has a strange way about it. It actually obeys you. It does. It never disobeys. How many of you have kids? How many of you have ever seen a child? Okay, Then you know that sometimes they disobey. They have a will of their own, a mind of their own. But the thing about money is that it always obeys. I don't know where all my money went. I heard that from one of my children recently. Well, you wasted it on junk. You bought a lollipop here and a slinky over there and a this over here. And now you're broke and you're like, daddy, daddy, please, can I have? No, you can't because you already told your money where to go and it's left. It's gone. Listen to me, church. Your heart always follows your treasure. So put your treasure where you believe it should be. And your heart will follow. When you put your treasure in something, your heart follows. Let me say it this way. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom, then you've got to put your treasure there because your heart will follow the treasure. In a moment, we're going to fill out faith promise cards. And I encourage you, we've got extras back there on the um, media booth. But there are some that are stuck in each of the offering holders where the guest cards and stuff are and the seat backs. I want to encourage you and tell you what that really means. Remember, this is going to be over and above each of our tithe. And we call this a faith promise because you're not just looking at your budget. You're not just looking at what you can afford. It is a faith-filled commitment that God himself enables you to fulfill. I've seen it time and time again. Maybe some of you have not had that experience, but I have. I was a youth pastor for years, and we had a missions goal that was given to us. We provided vehicles and media and technology for missionaries around the world. And I remember these teenagers, no job, no hope of any any sort of income, making a pledge to give $1,000 in a year. And I saw God one after one after after the next 
to do incredible things. All of a sudden they had a creative idea and they started mowing yards or they started selling things or whatever it was. And God did amazing stuff because they had set out and committed themselves to it. It wasn't mommy and daddy just writing a check for a thousand dollars. That would be easy. That would be too easy. So a faith promise is not what you can afford. It's a faith-filled commitment that you're believing God to help you fulfill. The basis of our giving here at Celebrate Church is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to read this today and understand this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 8. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Church, I'm telling you, this verse is true in my heart and in my life experience. I have seen God who is able to make all grace abound to me in the moments of struggle and stress and trial because he is an all-sufficient God. And look at how many times it says all in that verse. He's all sufficient in all things and at all times so that you can make it. So that you can abound in every good work that you put your hands or your mind to do. Verse 10 says this, he who supplies seed to the sower. Did you, did you catch that? He's the one who supplied. A few verses earlier, it says, you sow it sparingly, you're going to get it back sparingly. You sow it a lot and generously, you're going to get it a lot generously back. But here it is, verse 10, it says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. I'd be lying to you if I told you that there were mo- that there was not a single moment where I was stressed or overwhelmed in this last two years. Having a financial transition like that and doing what was necessary and then taking on a second job, I would lie to you if I told you there are moments even now that I deal with very high pressure just knowing what is on me. I don't say that to make you feel bad. I say that to tell you that God's word is true through and through. And there are times, even in our pray first this morning, we started by saying, let's not complain in our prayer. Let's thank God for what he's done. Because what he's done is good. And what he's planned to do for you is good as you obey and serve and walk after him. Man, I'm getting encouraged by this message today. So he supplies the seed and he multiplies it. God does that. 
He does not do it. Listen to me well. He does not do it for your own selfish gain or your pleasure. He does it for his eternal purpose. I shared with you just last week about the millionaire family that Amy and I know and what they've done in the kingdom of God has far-reaching implications. It's amazing to know the different ministries and things that have been blessed by them. But what I say, why I say that is this, that they truly believe that God is the supplier, that he is the one who directs it. Say, maybe if I thought like that, I'd have a million dollars. Try it. Please do it today. So I want you, each one of us, to decide, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I'm telling you the truth. We never approach giving from the side of guilt. Because it's not honored by God. God loves a cheerful giver. So I want you to think about that as we talk through the, the last moment here. The parable that I opened with and that we've talked throughout. Listen, in the context of all that we've said, a man found this treasure and for joy he bought that field. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and bought, he paid the price the eternal price that we could not pay for each and every one of us. He did that for us. And that's the way he wants us to give. Because like father, like son. Like mother, like daughter. Amen? Amen. So people are valuable to God. And when we love him, we end up loving what he loves. (laughs) We give what is valuable to us to the kingdom of God. And I have to stop and say this because I'm very cautious in moments like this. We talk about it unashamedly, but I always want to make sure that we're full circle understanding. I am telling you, God has been good to me and to you through me and through you to each other. It's God that has done something amazing. And I'm so thankful for Celebrate Church and for the fact that we have people who honor God Every single time they get paid, we have people who have checks sent to the church out of their bank account that automatically go out like a bill pay system. We have people who have automatic drafts of their checking account that as soon as their paycheck drops into their account, it comes some of it to the church. So you've got to understand, I am not doing this because I we just we're really hurting really bad and we need a couple more dollars. I'm telling you, it's good practice for us to even stretch ourselves further. The job I have, it requires you to sell things. And we set these things all the time with all the people that work there. And they're called stretch goals. Yes, I'm sure you can sell $100 this month. But could you sell 1000 could you sell a thousand dollars worth of product this month rather than just a hundred? I know you can make 500. I know you could do that, but can you stretch it a little bit further? So we do that in the secular understanding and in the workplace, but in the kingdom of God, somehow we get into that place of comfort where we're like, but I checked that box. I've already done my thing. I want you to set a stretch goal today. And you say, pastor, what am I giving to? Our Heart for the House giving this year, we've set our goal at $8,000. It's not a huge sum, but it's huge for us. (laughs) Amen? And that $8,000 is going to go to maintenance and improvements here on our property. 
we have ceiling tiles and places upstairs and the children's ministry and the bathrooms. We have stuff we need for media. Um, your pastor literally prays every day, God help me get this carpet out of this building. I literally pray that all the time. And that will be part of this too. We just recently invested and bought a brand new keyboard. Give it up for Crystal. Okay, give it up for Crystal who plays the keys. This morning she had a little bit of joy in her step. Not because of anything else supernatural. Just she was so happy the keys weren't sticking. And God is good. Amen. But that's what our heart for the house is going to go for this year. Because what I've realized is this. When my wife and I came and visited Celebrate Church years ago, seven years ago, in fact, and we were walked through, we were met by a board member who unlocked the door and walked us into the building. It looked very different back then than it does today because of all that God's already supplied. But when we came into the building and we were walking up the stairs and there were places in the carpet that had been stained and not been able to be taken care of and things like that. And that's, that is not shade on those who were here. At some point, you just don't have the ability or the manpower to do stuff. And I remember getting in the car and driving with my wife back to the hotel. And I remember tears in her eyes, thinking thoughts about why does it look so broken down? And why is it like God, God could do something awesome in this place. We know he can, but we need him to move because if he doesn't move, nothing will happen. And I was reminded of that this week in preparation for this message because we never want to go back to the days where we didn't have the manpower or didn't have the ability to do some of the simple stuff. We really truly believe that God has put us here in this zip code, on this street, in this town to reach this place. And so we believe with all of our heart, God has given us that vision and you as well because you've partnered with us that we want to make sure we continue to take care of it. There's lawn stuff, landscaping stuff that gets done every year. There's issues and things that we have with plumbing. There's a lot of different stuff, but it would overwhelm you to see all of the little things. So we're just praying and believing that God will do something great with that stretch goal of $8,000. So would you take a moment and grab the card that's in the little um, place in front of you in the seat backs there? It says, <clears throat> it says my faith promise and it's got uh, your name on the front and then on the back, it actually has a couple options for you. I want us to stand today and if you don't have a pen, borrow it from a neighbor, there should be one in those um, seat backs, but I want you to grab that and stand up today and just hold it in your hand. Would you do that? Go ahead and grab that. Don't fill it out yet. Just grab it and stand up with me. There's still enough light in the room once your eyes adjust to be able to write on that card, but I want you to hold that card in your hand as we worship in this last song. And I want you to seriously ask God, God, what would you enable me to do to help reach this goal together. We've got more cards on the media booth back there. If anybody needs one, we can get those to you. And then we're gonna fill those out. And what I wanna do is just tell you the instruction of taking them at the end. Don't take it home with you. We wanna know what God is going to do. So we want you to drop that card. No money attached, doesn't have to be, but there is a place that says my one-time gift. If you wanna do that today, you're more than welcome to. 
but we want to see God do something great. So take that card and drop it in the giving box on that back wall when you go today so that as they're collected, we'll be praying over them. We'll put it on Facebook later, either today or tomorrow and say what we've pledged to do for this house. Lord, I thank you for the miracles that you've done in this place. Lord, I thank you that years ago, you put it on the hearts of people who were here then to reach the the youth of our city. And what amazing ministry was was had here in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the history of our church and the VBS programs and all of the things that we've done before, for the outreaches in the city and community. God, and I thank you for what we've done in the last several years too, with your help. This time, right now, we ask God that you would enable us in faith to make a commitment that will truly count. Lord, that we would sow generously and receive back generously. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let's worship with this last song and then you can fill out your cards and we'll drop them in the offering box.